0: Overthrowing the establishment, how to turn blue seats red and how to take out traditionally red establishments uh, seats in very red seats. We're going to discuss that all and more on today's episode. So let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our BNC studios here in lovely eastern Indiana, and joining me to discuss how we can, in fact, uh, flip blue seats, red, and get the establishment out of red seats and get more pro-Liberty candidates in from Machine LLC, joining us today. Woodrow Johnson, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show.
1: Brian, thank you so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's
0: John Johnston with a T, but close enough. Did I not say Stun? I'm, I'm, my apologies. Johnson, I mean, Johnson. Okay. I, so it's funny. I actually had uh, yeah. a teacher that was John Stun and uh, a good friend in high school that was John Sun. So it was always confusing for me back then. So apparently, so uh, fast forward, you know, decades later, and I still can't get it right. But uh, Woodrow, that's John really Stun. Theory, yeah, thank you yes. for joining the show. Uh, and, and my apologies there at the beginning. But let's uh, start things off here. Do us do us a favor, right? Uh, we had your, your cohort, Rory McShane, here on the program back, I think, three, four weeks or so ago. And we were talking about... About how individual candidates uh, in, in the respective GOP and Democratic fields could win for the presidency. Looking at RFK, Joe Biden, and then on the Republican side, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, but today, we're going to be talking about some uh, different things that you know in the world of politics, specifically some local elections and and you know state elections and, and flipping some blue seats red. But first, do us a favor again, introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience, and for the folks who are unfamiliar with McShane LLC, what do you guys? do over there? Uh,
1: Brian, thank you so much for the introduction. So my name is Woodrow Johnston. I'm a Republican political strategist. I'm the senior vice president at a firm called McShane LLC. We're based out of Washington, D.C., Austin, and Las Vegas, where I live. Uh, We've we've take pride in our kind of charge the hill mentality. We've Won over uh, 55 awards for campaign excellence. Been part of over 160 ele- uh, winning races across the country. We've only, we've only been around for uh, about five years, but we're the fastest-growing Republican consulting firm in the country right now. Um, and you know, we've, we really just take pride in that. And 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 uh, you know, right now I'm in Nashville working on a race right now. Uh, last night I'm, I look a little tired because I spent all night putting up yard signs. I can go on all about yard signs if, <laughs> I, if needed, but but,
0: uh, you know, people like them, so. You guys are doing great work, Um, and and frankly, that's why I want to have you on the show, because I want to focus on the great work you're doing and hopefully give... The audience here of the Brian Nichols show some actionable advice. Now, for for the mm-hmm. folks maybe who are joining us for the first time here in in the audience today, the the audience tends to be uh, folks in the greater Liberty camp. Um, we have had mm-hmm. elected officials, we've had uh, folks who are campaign managers, we've had uh, folks who work for respective uh, you know GOP LP party uh infrastructure so you know it's it's a bunch of uh, mishmash of individuals who listen to the show that are vested in their interest in terms of electoral success so there's kind of two things sure. i want to address today let's start with the first being how do you flip a, a traditionally safe name color here red seat blue seat mm-hmm. to a different color and let's in this case focus on the blue to red or, or blue to gold whatever we want to do in that world sure what what's the best plan of, of action you have found in your experience when you're you're trying to figure out what what election to focus on and to actually go ahead and, and get the I guess the, the the wheels turning to to actually get it to go from from blue to uh, to red.
1: Well, it's quite a question, Brian. That's like asking me how to build a house, right? What kind of house? Uh, how many stories? Uh, you know, uh, what's our budget? right what's uh how many people are going to live there how many rooms how many uh how many bathrooms i'm going to say master ba- uh, uh bedrooms i don't know if you can say that now right if that's too not pc enough
0: uh, which i didn't know was a thing know. by the way anymore i, I was <laughs> looking for houses a couple of years ago and i was like oh we're not allowed to say that anymore like, right oh, yeah oh, the yeah, main room the, sir the, like, main. Oh, the main bedroom oh yeah right it's Sorry. like but but here's what i'll
1: say I mean, you know, it's interesting. You lead you lead the conversation about presidential races, and what people don't seem to understand is that presidential races are not a model to run uh, the state house. They're not a model for how to run for senate or how to run for congress. Uh, for one, uh, especially at the highest level, you usually have such a high budget, and so does the other side. Once you're in the kind of you know, you know, major leagues to that point where you're running for president, where a lot of stuff is sometimes out of your control. And a lot of it is you're you're responding to national trends. Uh, With a state house race or local race, you still have to kind of respond to national trends, but you're also not really driving the trends like, you know, they're doing at the presidential level. And, you know, you'll often see at the presidential level, uh, you know, really, it's, a you know, there's so many different issues they're talking about. And the reality is for most elections, people kind of think, especially libertarians, because libertarians like to think they're so smart and they like to think that they know everything and they know the solution to all, every single problem. Uh, And, you know, and usually it just is, you know, uh, some version of the NAP basically. Uh, Half my audience's brain just
0: blew up. All all, all (laughs) malfunctioning Bring on hate
1: mail, guys. So uh, here's the thing, right? It's, they think that voters are like them. For one, every single person that exists thinks they are an average person. If you guys ever talk to a high net worth individual, a rich person, and you ask them, do you think you're, you're middle class, uh, pop, low class, high class? They always think, it doesn't matter how rich they are, unless maybe you're talking to literally like Elon Musk, they always think that they're middle class, that they're average. It's 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 bizarre. I, every rich person I talk to, they're like, oh, I guess, you know, we're upper middle class, but I wouldn't say we're like super rich or anything. It's, you know, of course, of course, if you make more than half a million a year, you're in the top, you know, 1% of people. So that's to say, you know, even libertarians tend to think, well, you know, if we just explain our ideas, then people will get it and they'll want to be libertarian or whoever, you know, that's, that's why we'll win. And that's just not the case. Uh, for the most part, your campaign is not going to have the resources to dramatically change people's point of view. Uh, it is easier to convince someone to do one thing. It's harder to convince them to do two things, and it's much harder to convince them to th- do three things. So I find that often people think, okay, everyone's a voter, so or could be a voter. So we got to convince them to vote. We got to convince them to agree with us on this issue, and then we have to convince them that. Uh, were their champion for that issue. And I was and you know one, why why try to convince them to th- two three things? Just pick one, right? Uh, find your voters who already agree with you. Uh, already plan on voting. Now all you have to do is just convince them that you're the, your champion for that for that issue. It- and often those issues aren't the same issues you care about.
0: How about that? Is It's as if... Here, we'll, we'll do it one more time for the folks who weren't paying attention. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Ah, well, the issues they care about, right? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you care about. It doesn't matter what your, your bed bug issue is. It doesn't matter how right you think you are. And trust me, you, you hit the nail on the head. Libertarians... They'll tell you how right they are. Um, and they'll do it very frequently, um, uh, and loudly, but, but that's a conversation for a different day. But, but they don't care, right? The voter does not care about how confident you are in, in your solution. They want to, they want to know what's in it for them, right? Everybody's tuned into that same radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? And, and that is just the reality of the world we live in. So, and I want to just go back to one thing you did bring up there, Woodrow, and that is the focusing on one solution. Thank you, right? I I've had so many candidates here on the program, local candidates specifically, and they're running on like thirteen different issues. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Why? Why? Because because that doesn't resonate with anybody. But if you become the person with that one issue, it sticks to you. That becomes your thing. Like everybody remembers Jimmy McMillan from New York because the rent was too damn high, right? And it's stuck. And and that that's something that I think we've lost in a lot of our political discourse, especially coming from the right side of the political aisle. So how would you recommend finding sure, but that one not, issue? He's
1: not hes not, he's not Mayor uh, Jimmy McMillan. He's not former fair. Mayor
0: Jimmy McMillan.
1: Very fair. And, you know, I could go on a whole thing that doesn't matter how good your issues are if you don't have the basics that a campaign needs. Fair.
0: Yeah, but like, let, let's go back to that one issue, though, right? Like, how, how does somebody figure out what's that heartbeat issue? What's that one issue I should make the, the focal point of my campaign and really drive that home?
1: Sure. I mean, really depends on your audience, right? Uh, if you're in a Republican primary, you got to look to the Brian. Oh, sorry. Uh, so I'll give you an example specifically uh, over in Idaho. I had this great client. Uh, he's now, you know, at the time, candidate Scott Herndon. Now he's Senator Scott Herndon. And, you know, it, Scott's a really smart guy. Uh, he can go. He is probably one of the most intellectual people I know. I mean, the guy is, is frankly, he is he is uh He is really smart and he, you know, one of the reasons why he decided to run was because he didn't like the government shutdowns and he didn't like that uh, the emergency powers were expanding under the government. And, you know, I agree with him and a lot of people maybe watch the show would agree with him, but, uh, to a lot of people, in uh, where he was in Idaho, that's kind of a it's kind of a boring issue. I, hold on a second. I'm sorry. My apologies. I thought I silenced my phone. Um, so I, 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 you know, the the reality is in in, in Idaho, the shutdowns were short. Um, they were relatively mild compared to the rest of the country. Uh, loosely enforced, the shutdowns uh, were just not that big of a deal uh, over there. You know, I mean, I think they're terrible, but a lot of people do. But at the end of the day, you had to pick an issue that the that the people who were voting were outraged about. So what do you do? You look at Fox News that at the time, that's what most Republican still at the time, Republican primary voters. That's what they're watching. What are they mad about? Uh, they're mad about uh, illegal immigration. They're mad about uh, men in, in girls sports. And we did polling to confirm this uh they you know most people we you know were more you know sure they might be mad that the that the guy we were running against against uh you know didn't want to restrict the the governor's powers uh but they were more upset about drivers licenses being given to illegal immigrants they were more upset about they were more upset about uh you know men uh, competing in girls sports Brian i'm sorry i can't hear you
0: helps my mics on. Does that equate to votes? Um, you know, necessarily like somebody being angry about something, does that necessarily turn into a vote or is that not necessarily always the case?
1: Well, hate's a stronger motivator than love, Brian. And here's what I'll tell you. Uh, I, I challenge anyone who's listening to find an example where this is not true, but I don't believe any incumbent an incumbent has ever been defeated because a completely positive campaign was ran against them, right? I don't think anyone's ever run a race where they said, well, you know, uh, the guy who's there right now, he's doing a perfectly fine job, I just think I could do a little bit better. And that's that person, you know, people will take the devil they know. You have to make, if you want to run a successful campaign, you have to make the person who's already there, who has the advantage of being the incumbent, will have more name ID, you have to make that person seem unpalatable to voters. Or else you have zero literally no chance of beating them and people will say oh well i ran a positive campaign Uh, and then they fail to mention that there was an independent expenditure that also campaigned and ran a very negative campaign and that's always ideal you always prefer the the ie the independent expenditure to do the negative stuff but sometimes a lot of times you can't do that and there's just I, i can't think of one single time in all of election history where an incumbent was defeated and was actually running a race and they were you know they lost due to a another positive campaign mm-hmm. that's why often you you'll you'll see incumbents like try to get uh challengers to uh sign pledges saying oh you know why don't you sign a pledge we'll fight you know reagan's 11th commandment uh we won't do any negative campaigning whatsoever
0: yeah that only benefits the incumbent right well and that goes into i guess the next part right talking about taking out some of these more established uh, you know, folks in, in, in the right and focus on some of the, you know, the folks who are not maybe eyes on board with the more liberty-oriented approach that we're seeing the new GOP, hopefully, fingers crossed, continue to take on. Um, so I guess you know, digging a little bit more deep in, in terms of taking on these individuals, sometimes it gets risky because, for whatever reason, their constituency still likes them. So how do you balance that with you know, the, the like of the constituency, but still trying to be aggressive? How do you turn the constituency, not necessarily away from the person, maybe just enough towards you that they'll cast their vote for you instead?
1: Well, I mean, it depends on the situation, right? I mean, if there is a, uh, if it's a 1v1 matchup, uh, you know, one less person voting for them, that person is just as good as them not voting for, you know, not voting, at, not voting at all is almost just as good. So uh, you know, I mean, you have to drive up your own positive ID, too. But, you know, often in the last few, you know, you know, they call it an October surprise for for a reason, because it's effective to use that content at the
0: last minute. Interesting. So I, I guess looking at incumbents, right, one of the, the biggest issues we hear from some challengers is the war chest that incumbents traditionally have. What are some ideas? to a candidate who is facing a candidate who has this war chest behind them? Almost like guerrilla-style election tactics that you would recommend for them to maybe do some maybe unconventional things that don't cost as much money but still have some driving impact.
1: So your question is, what are things that don't cost as much money, some kind of guerrilla tactics that candidates can use to, uh, I guess, fight when they're, when they're less funded? Yep. Well, I I mean, it's an interesting question, Brian, and I I often find that candidates who are supposedly less funded are less funded. I mean, you're always going to be less funded most of the time when you're running as an incumbent, but you can you can win outspent two to one, three to one. I have won outspent 10 to one before it's happened, but it's rare and you have to have a lot of other things going in your favor. So, one, let's start off with stop being underfunded. Stop being outspent 10 to one. Pick up the dang phone pick up the damn phone and ask for money. All right, let's just start there, right? I I know so many candidates out there who instead of, uh, instead of, you know, calling their, you know, calling donors, what do they want to do? They want to go to every single county party meeting. They want to go to every single community meeting, anything to get out of call time, right? Uh, So let's start there, (laughs) right? Now, as far as things you can do to, uh, you know, when you're outspent, you know, spend your money smarter. Uh, I talked about yard signs. Look, campaigns love yard signs. It's probably the least expensive. It's the least effective thing you can do. You want to start with more targeted methods before you expand to less targeted methods. Anyone can see a yard sign. A yard sign is not really typically a persuasive piece of material, uh, but it costs a lot of money. Uh, But you're, you know, you're really, you're paying for people who might not even vote in your election. So let's start with the most targeted methods. What's the most targeted methods? Uh, Knocking on someone's door, Uh, you know, knocking on, uh, you know, sent sending a text message. Uh, I don't really like robo calls as much, but those are at least you know, you put your list your list of people, and you call only those people. Uh, a lot of times people want to say, Oh, well, it's about yard signs and TV and TV is, you know, you target the best you can, but it's really expensive. And you're really only target based off demographics, you know, you pick a T, you know, you pick, you know, certain TV stations that, you know, your voters tend to watch, right, but it's not uh, that is like, you, I like to take an approach of let's start with the more targeted methods first and then expand from there. So man, usually yard man. signs, usually large signs are like the last thing I'd get. I mean, I remember Ted Cruz's campaign got so much criticism because they took forever uh, to get yard signs out. But I mean, frankly, I, I, I agree with the strategy.
0: What about local candidates? Does that stand true for local candidates as well? Wait for That's- the yard signs?
1: I think that you get enough yard signs to kind of keep your people happy, maybe enough to get your, your volunteers going. Uh, but yard signs, they don't win elections. I mean, there's literally studies on this.
0: Yeah. I, I, I dread driving home up to Northern New York every election season because every lawn has, you know, 15 yard signs every single year. Uh, and, and it just doesn't really do anything. I mean, it, it, I think there's a uh, an idea that it visualizes support, but, uh, to your sure. point, are these your voters, right? Um, and, and if you're doing local elections, more often than not, probably not, right? Uh, to your point, you have a better means of going out and knocking on that door, making that face-to-face connection. Uh, now, let me go back to something you raised up about dialing for dollars. I hear this from a lot of candidates. It's uncomfortable, right? And, and I know you said, you know, suck it up. Just hit the phone start start talking to people I, I, I say yes preach yes 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 but to mm. those candidates who this is like this is a, a big bugaboo for them they, they just they they hate the idea of asking for money they hate the idea of putting themselves in a position that they feel like they're grovelling you know what what would be I guess some recommendations to folks that you would you would rec- you'd make based on candidates you've worked with in the past who were in a similar situation and you were able to help them kind of get over this uh, what phonophobia? Sure. So
1: let me start off. Uh, the easiest way to probably get out of phone calls is to self fund the entire campaign, right? If that's ask your you ask your campaign manager consultant, what's the budget going to be for the for this whole thing? Uh, write a check, right? And then and then you don't need to worry about phone calls. Then you can just focus on doing all the fun stuff, right? Uh, that's option one. I think people have this idea that, oh, if I run, if I have great ideas, someone like, I don't know, the Koch brothers are going to come in and they're going to give me a bunch of money. Oh, you know, or if you're on the left, oh, uh, you know, oh, maybe this, you know, the, the right keeps talking about George Soros, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe that, that guy will write me a check. I got to imagine that's how these people think. Right. Uh, how do you get out of that? Just do the work. I mean frankly, just do the work. take it. Everything that's worth doing sucks. I mean that's that's just the reality. Everything that is worth doing is not fun. Uh, you know most people you know uh, don't enjoy uh, their work and or there's lots of parts that they don't enjoy about it. And, but you have to do those things. You have to be motivated by the end results. And if you want care about this country and you think that it's worth fighting for, then, you know, guess what? You're gonna call donors. You're gonna ask them, you're gonna ask them for money and it's uncomfortable. Uh, but people, you know, did things that were much less comfortable than sitting in an air conditioned room and making phone calls to get to this point. <laughs>
0: Ain't that the truth? Uh, and, and you know, I guess it's my, my, uh, lens as a sales guy. Like, I just, it's like the expectation, like, come on, I have 21 year olds coming out of college, uh, who, who they're, they're doing this. They're, they're sitting down, dialing and talking to C level executives. And, you know, they're, they're talking about booking appointments with, with, technology they they've never even heard of before so like if if a 21 22 year old can do it fresh out of college then you running for office then you can do it you can do it too um all right my i guess we're at the point i, I looked at the clock we're already over time a little bit here uh woodrow so we're gonna go towards final thoughts um and if you're cool that i'll kick things off um this again is why here at the show we take a sales approach to politics right because mm-hmm. at the end of the day everything is sales um you're you're selling yourself an idea and this case you're selling yourself for an election right you're trying to sell yourself to your voter and with that you have to build trust but you have to do so effectively you have to do so smartly using your resources but also using your time your time is the most invaluable resource you have so being able to allocate that most effectively and efficiently is going to be paramount to your success and and you, Woodrow, you hit it, you nailed it right there with talking about the, the importance of doing those, those high performance actions that will lead to the success. you're looking at those KPIs, right? Touching the, the, the voter individually, one on one, that's huge. And, and if you're able to get those door knocks, right? Like, uh, Young Americans for Liberty, they do amazing stuff. Operation Win at the Door, help a lot of candidates win across the country. Um, and, and The reason? Because it works. So do what works. Stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Focus on what has been proven to work. Stuff that Woodrow has helped win elections by doing. So uh, that's my final thoughts for today. Woodrow, what do you have for us on your end?
1: My final thought is events, uh, you know, going to things. Those are the fun stuff. That's the reason why people want to run. But the most important thing is you get your call time in. Uh, None of the other stuff matters. doesn't matter if you have the best message in the world, but if you're not raising enough money or spending enough money, and it doesn't even necessarily need to be more than your opponent. It just needs to be enough to be competitive.
0: All right, folks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do me a favor. Go ahead, give it a share. When you do, tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. You can find me on Facebook and X.com. God, still feels weird to say Woodrow. Where can folks go ahead and find you if they want to continue the conversation? Absolutely. Oh gosh, I'm not used to
1: saying that either. I, I was about to say Twitter. <laughs> Did uh, you feel I'm Liberty, weird? Though? Right, right. I'm, I'm Liberty Woody on Twitter. Uh, I am Real Woodrow Johnston on Instagram. And uh, McShane LLC is our website for the company I work at, McShane LLC.
0: Perfect. Folks, thank you for joining us. And by the way, yes, there's two different ways you can watch the show, video or podcast. If you're on the video version of the show, yes, there is YouTube Rumble. And we are big fans of Ben Swan's independent media entity, Sovereign, S O V. R-E-N, and if you are watching us over on Sovereign, well, thank you for watching us, and congratulations, you get today's episode before everyone else as a Sovereign exclusive, uh, but if you are joining us on the more traditional uh, video platforms like YouTube, well, do us a favor, regardless, hit that subscribe button, little notification bell, and oh, by the way, hit that like button, uh, that helps us out more than you would know, and I mentioned it, yes, we are a podcast, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, youtube music wherever it is you get your podcast do yourself a favor hit that subscribe button but also hit download all unplayed episodes why we have 754 other episodes that i guarantee will leave you educated enlightened and informed including uh i mentioned earlier we had rory on the show rory mcshane here from mcshane llc back a few weeks ago we're gonna go ahead and include that episode here in the show notes or if you're watching us on youtube it should be popping up right about here so stick around and uh enjoy the next episode but otherwise folks thank you for joining us with that being said brian nichols signing off here on the brian nichols show for woodrow johnston we'll see you next time thank you brian thanks for listening to the brian nichols show